From our local high schools to the pros, the Dallas Morning News has got North Texas sports covered, and it's more than just the scores. From all the off-season moves to in-season adjustments and maybe even postseason glory, the DMN has got the inside scoop on your favorite teams, players, and coaches. You can follow every goal, save, bucket, and touchdown as the Dallas Morning News delivers real local sports journalism from the press box and locker room straight to your inbox. As soon as the podcast is over, head to dallasnews.com sports to see what Brad Townsend, Callie Kaplan, and the rest of the DMN gang has for you there. Hello and welcome to Mavs Daily, where we break down a question, event, news, or trend having to do with the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Bobby Corella. I'm from Mavs Digital. Joining me on this very chilly evening, jeez, I'm about to like light a fire in my oven to keep me warm. I don't think that's a good idea, but I might see. Let me see how it goes. It's Isaac Harris. Isaac, how are you staying warm on this uh, on this frigid Thursday night? Well, you said something about a fire. I'm actually, I can look past my, my, my screen on my computer and I have a fire going. So if, oh. if my mic is really good, you can hear the crackle of the wood. You're going to laugh. I'm old school about this. I went out and I chopped some wood a few days ago. Oh, man. Brought wow. all the wood in, stacked it up. I'm, I, I, I love that whole process of chopping wood and stuff. Wow. Dude, you have a fireplace <laughs> in your office. Guy hosts one podcast every single day and just becomes a freaking high society member. That is awesome. I'm very jealous. Uh, Until you I have live, a toddler who wants to throw crap into the fire. Then it's not fun. Yeah. Then it's, or, or like go into the fire themselves. So like, please don't <laughs> yes. do that. Uh, yeah. I live on the third floor of a four floor apartment. And so there's no fires allowed. No grills Ooh. allowed. No nothing. I got to be very careful in my building but uh to you out there especially if you're in the dallas area i mean i'm sure it's cold everywhere else because it's winter but uh it's a little colder down here than we're used to so definitely stay warm this weekend bundle up and heading into next week too uh, it'll be really interesting to see what happens because monday i think is the day when it's supposed to be really bad uh the match play on sunday and then they don't play again until i think like wednesday and so luckily we'll miss that stuff but they do play tonight against new orleans and on sunday night as well and so uh if this weekend if it, if it gets any uh if it gets any more blizzardy then who knows maybe i'll be watching the home games from my couch instead of at the arena you've missed the last couple games don't think i haven't noticed uh one less person to talk to up there and give uh give funny looks to whenever someone does something <laughs> silly on the floor so uh yeah don't think i haven't I noticed you've been playing hooky I just want to go up to you like Tim, I think it was Tim, did the maxi and just grab your beard and just pull your beard because uh, that was a that was an incredible moment. But yes, I had some family duties over the past uh, few games and I've had to stay at home. And now I got to see about this weather because it's a drive for me. You're just like, hey, a, a bicycle ride over to the arena. And for me, it's a good little, a good little trick. I would be a bicycle ride away if I knew how to ride a bike, but I don't. And so <laughs> I drive. <laughs> Uh, pretty, pretty good stuff. There's also, I don't think anywhere to park my bike or rack. Mm. What do you do? Chain your bike? What, yeah. What's like the, whenever you stop, whenever you leave your bike. You gotta have a like a little lock and you just gotta lock it to something. Yeah. But like, what's the word? Like you, you like park a car. Do you park Ooh, a bike? I don't know. I don't know. Ask Jason Terry. He used to ride a bike, didn't he? Daryl Armstrong, uh, before, like before the scooters and bikes were like scrubbed from the city streets. He was a frequent scooterer or bike rider uh, from where he lives to the Mavs practice facility. So it was always fun to, to get to work at the same time as he did. Speaking of downtown real quick, I do want to give a shout out to the Mavs in all of the Luka first team all NBA marketing around the city. I know it's been up for a while, but I'm normally downtown at nighttime. And I was downtown the other day in the daytime, and I got to see all of that. So if you live in the Metroplex and you haven't been downtown in a while, go downtown when all the roads are safe and everything. And check out all the Luca posters. They're really, really cool. I'm not going to lie. It's one of the best like marketing poster stuff downtown in a while. I love it. A lot of that was from the mind of Mike Machine Marshall. So don't let him know you think it's cool because his head will just get <laughs> even bigger than it already is. Uh, okay, Isaac. So today we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, I guess, our feelings. I don't know. The last couple times that we've been kind of philosophical, it's been like while we're sitting in the pit of despair, sort of like drinking away our pain. 
But the Mavs have won three in a row. They've won four out of five. We'll see what happens tonight against the Pelicans. But this homestand is going really, really well so far. And kind of like the the undercurrent beneath the just general excitement and thrill of like, oh, winning is fun. I forgot how much fun winning is. Is uh, the fashion in which they're winning is leaving some fans, I guess, not totally satisfied. And to them, just right off the bat, I want to say like, it's better than losing. Like, <laughs> what would you rather them do? Uh, but I, I mean, I also kind of sympathize with the two. Like, you're beating Minnesota by 25 or 27 points, whatever it is, uh, at one point, and then the next thing you know, it's like a three-point game or two-point game with 15 seconds left. You're like, oh my god! Like, is Malik Beasley going to do this by himself? <laughs> so, like, there, there is some like just hang on for dear life sort of stuff, and so uh, it's kind of led to this moment where we're like, man, you know. First off, we were second guessing is is this team good, and now we're second guessing like, are these wins good? Uh, what's going on here? So it's just sort of like an open ended kind of thing. I'm gonna give the floor to you here. Like, <laughs> what is real? What is fake? What is like worth talking about? Like, what what is what's going on? It's it's a it's a it's a three win a three game win streak, but it kind of feels, I guess, to some people like it's not or like it's something. It's less yeah. than. Well, I think it, one, just in our microwave society, we want everything to be instant and we, everything that we want or pictured or imagined or our expectations we had for this team that we, we just want it to happen. Just snap of the fingers. We left the Clippers playoff series in the bubble and like, all right, the natural progression of this team, then we're going to be so much better this year. And we thought they would be you know better in, in a good playoff team and top six playoff team, whatever. And then everything that happened, I mean, every, everything you imagine that happened at the beginning of the season from the timing of the season starting that started earlier than a lot of people even imagined from KP and Luca and everybody. And then obviously the COVID stuff that hit the team. But I think we're kind of in this, like in the spot now of, you know, low, low point for sure during the, you know, two or three weeks of COVID and guys coming back and all that stuff. Then it was like working themselves back into that to where we're like losing some close games, but we're like, Hey, just a little bit more time. Let's get these guys legs back. Now. I think it's still important to acknowledge that they're still tinkering. Like Rick's still tinkering with things and still tinkering with combinations and lineups and stuff. But we're also coming out with a win on it too. It's like, however you can cross the finish line, let's cross it. Okay. Whatever you have to do in that finish line being a win, whatever we can do. So right now the wins don't look sexy. They don't look fun. And some of them, some of them aren't. And you're like, dang, I wish we won, you know, by, you know, I wish we beat the Timberwolves by you know, 18 plus or cut that lead. It took you know a few days probably off your life watching the end of that game, seeing Malik Beasley get that offensive board and go up and like another three pointer by Malik Beasley. Can I just oh say gosh. like I thought that was awesome, and I, maybe that makes me like a sadist or whatever, but like, <laughs> dude, he like oh, literally yeah. turned into a supernova. Like that was incredible. That would have been like historic had they pulled that off. Like I don't know. And, and if he, I, I was, if he was somebody else. Well, if, I mean, if he was a bigger name, if he was Devin Booker, if he was Jason Tatum, or if he was whoever it was, if he was Luka, and so, you know, someone with a bigger name did what Malik Beasley did in that fourth quarter, what, I mean, it would have been on SportsCenter for two weeks. So, yeah, I mean, I, they're winning basketball games. And for me, that's the, that's the main thing that matters. Because when you look at, just like you said, the alternative is a loss <laughs> and this is much better uh, compared to, you know, two weeks ago or three weeks ago when we're looking at three or four losses in a row and we can only talk about the same things over and over again. We're like waiting for this team, you know, to get their legs back and get back in the groove and all this. And so, yeah, for me, a win's a win right now. They're winning basketball games. They've won three in a row. They've won four of their last five. And it should be a happy time. I, I, I was just, I'm a huge pro counseling person. I was just talking to my counselor earlier today. Shout out to anybody doing telecounseling right now. I think that's been one of the coolest things during the pandemic. And uh, I was talking to him and he's like, he looked at me, he said, through the computer. And he's like, you look happy right now. Like you're, you're, you're super happy. And, and there are some things in my life that's going great. But I'm hey, like, Hey, the maps are in your office. <laughs> I don't think maps are winning. That's why I'm happy. Uh, but, uh, but no, I, I think, you know, for fans right now, I think let's enjoy the wins. And even if they don't look like how we want them to look, let's enjoy the wins. And this team's just going to keep on getting better. 
Yes, the alternative, of course, is losing, but it, it's it's a little like deeper than that. So I'm going to try and casually open up a new tab on my computer while I'm telling you a story and find my exact spot. Ah, yes, okay. So uh, this was February 3rd. So last Wednesday, the Mavs were in Atlanta. And, and now we're recording this on Thursday. Earlier today, I recorded a podcast with Skin uh, called Numbers on the Boards, and I told... I made this sort. I, I told this kind of story on that show, and I don't want to do the same show twice. But whatever, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about this because it's very important to what we're talking about right now. A week ago Wednesday, Dallas is in Atlanta, fresh off losing two close games to Phoenix, one of which they basically lost at the buzzer after just like the most perfect sequence of events to lose that game ever. Yeah. Guy misses a open layup, and it, like they win because of that. Just like you could not think up in a, a comedy series like a weirder way to lose a game. That was also, by the way, their sixth loss in a row. And so, like, temperatures running pretty high, I think, for everybody. And after that Golden State game, which was the game after that Atlanta game, uh, things were weird in the American <laughs> Airlines Center on the, at the level that uh, the, where the media was sitting. But anyway. Mavs are in Atlanta. They're up 15 with four minutes left. Rick pulls KP just to get him a breather. KP's out for like 70 seconds, and in that run, Atlanta goes on. In that time, Atlanta goes on like an 11-0 run and makes it like a three-point game or four-point game or something. And you see out of the corner, people are sharing this video on Twitter. Like, KP, like, I don't know if he threw a water bottle. It almost looked like he had a water bottle, and he, like, hit another one, like a baseball bat yeah. off a tee. And it just goes flying and, like, darn near kills Mike Weiner on the bench. <laughs> He's frustrated. Everybody is frustrated. Like, we yeah. saw how Luca reacted after they lost the Phoenix game. Like, this was the low moment. And can you imagine your seventh loss in a row coming when you blew a 15-point lead in the final four minutes on the road to the ho- – like, that would just be, like, even worse. You're twisting the knife and, like, pulling out sticking back in. Mavs won the game. And it was awesome. Everybody was happy, and, they, and they've been good since. You know, they got smacked around by Golden State, and then they bounced back and won, whatever. Last night against Atlanta, KP's not in the game to close the game. He's on the sideline yeah. again. And so is Josh Richardson, too. So that's two of your th- three or four most important players aren't in the game because their plus-minus wasn't very good. They weren't playing that well. KP was in foul trouble. Their backups are playing – I mean, Jalen Brunson and – Tim Hardaway Jr., like, you're going to sit down Willie after the game. Those three, like, you just, you got to roll with your guys. And instead of sulking, they were losing their minds. KP was, like, standing, jumping up and down, clapping, fist pumping. He was the first guy on the floor high-fiving everyone. There's a clip on Twitter today of Josh Richardson, like, playing air guitar after someone (laughs) made a layup. Like, they were, like, the most jubilant two starters ever to be benched in the fourth quarter of a close game. Like, they were so into it. And I just cannot for the life of me ever imagine that happening a week ago or two weeks ago or three weeks ago. And the reason I can't imagine it happening is because we saw the total opposite of that thing happen. KP almost like hit some guy in the head with a plastic water bottle. But like a week later, it's all good. And you want to know why? It's because they're winning games. Like you win a couple close games. Everyone is more all in. You heard Brunson say it on the broadcast like – It's not about us individuals anymore. Like, we're in it for the team. We're winning. Like, we're feeling good. Like, we're in this together. Even if you squeak out a one-point win against the worst team in the league, even if you were winning by 75 and you win by one point because they blow a layup at the buzzer, it's a win. You feel good. Everybody is just like can just take a deep breath and relax. And when you win three or four of those games in a row – then all of a sudden everyone is cooler with making sacrifices, not getting shots, not getting minutes, whatever. And that is the kind of thing that brings back the chemistry, that brings back confidence and and all that stuff, the intangible qualities of good teams that have just been missing from Mavs for a month or more now because all these guys have been out and they've been losing so much. So, like, it's not just that the win goes in the win column. It's that everybody is just way cooler with everything when you're winning and that's why the results matter that's why rick has been playing an eight-man rotation in these games like they're trying to win because they're trying to write everybody's minds it's not just about writing stuff going on the floor it's about writing stuff that's going on in between the ears yeah i mean i love how you ended that right there is you know if you look at rick's rotation of these you know this past week or so it's the eight-man rotation like this is playoff stuff like 
They don't they don't want to play around. I mean, you wish you were in a spot to where you were top three in the conference and you're like, yeah, I can play Josh Green and Wes Awandu and some of these guys, you know, 10 minutes here and there, and I can kind of lower some minutes, give some guys more breaks. They're not in that spot. As a lot of Mavs fans like to remind you on Twitter that, you know, the Mavericks don't have time and this is a shortened season and time is, is ticking. And I think that's the biggest area that we've seen of Rick saying, Hey, we have to win. We have to win to get back into this playoff picture and stuff. And I'm going to run this eight man rotation, but also being able to ride the hot hand too. And man, I, I thought that was such a bold move from from Rick in that Atlanta game, you know, a few nights ago of, you know, not bringing KP back in. You know, when he took him out with the five fouls, I'm like, all right, took him out, and then he never came back in. He rode that hot hand with Willie. And it wasn't just Willie, but like you said, Brunson and Tim Hardaway. These three guys came off the bench. And, you know, these three guys, you know, basically, I think Tim finished the game. I could be wrong. I think he did. Yes. Uh, Okay, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, and KP uh, and, and Josh over there. I mean, Josh was on his feet. It felt like the entire fourth quarter just cheering on the, you know, the team and stuff. I thought that was so cool. But can I, let me ask you this question. So before that Atlanta game, I thought Dwight had, like, supplanted, like, Willie's spot as that backup big. And I thought Dwight's been playing, like, really good lately. Just his energy. When <laughs> – there's one thing you can never doubt about Dwight, and that's his energy and hustle and how much he's going to give. He's always going to be like the top when, as far as giving energy. So especially whenever the team was lacking that effort and energy and all of that, Dwight was just out there like, hey, I'm going to show you how it's done. So I thought Dwight had like kind of just like taken over that. And then Willie comes in, and Willie has this great game. So if you can, take me into the mind of Rick Carlisle. And tell me, like, how, how, how do you decide, like, who plays? Because I was like, I was taken aback when Willie came in and said, Dwight. I mean, Dwight played a little bit in that game, but Willie had this great game, and I think it's a huge testament to Willie because if I was Willie, and just how I'm not made out to be any type of like athlete like that, if I was Willie, my head would be like kind of pissed and like, dang, I haven't been playing, and I thought, you know, I've been doing fine. And then he comes in, bam, and has this incredible game, gets the defensive player of the game belt and all of this stuff, and I think it was a huge testament to him. But, like, yeah, so, like, how would you de- decide, like, who plays between Dwight and Willie? Is it per-game basis, and is it is that a luxury that, you know, that Dallas has that, hey, we have two of these guys that we can play? Yeah, dude, I have no idea. So, so go back to before Dwight kind of re-entered the rotation so he had COVID and stuff came back played a couple games against Utah thought he was pretty good uh the Mavs were obviously getting smoked and so like being decent in a 20-point loss is not you know anything to sort of brag about or anything after that he had like three straight DNPCDs I'm talking about Dwight and Willie was still yeah. playing backup center minutes and Dwight I think it was Callie Kaplan maybe or Brad one of the one of the people from the Dallas Morning News had a thing where Dwight had not received, like, consecutive DNPCDs, like, since his rookie season. Like, he's been a mainstay in the rotation, even if he's coming off the bench. Uh, But, frankly, Willie was playing well. Well, then Willie kind of slumped. He was much less effective. And the Mavs got beat by the Warriors by, like, 40 points on national TV. And so Rick puts Dwight in, and Dwight is awesome, and they win. And then he pulls Dwight and puts in Willie. And so I I don't know. Like, in the past – uh, I'm trying to think of the most recent example of this. Uh, it was whenever Sala was here. Uh, they had Sala and who were the other guys? Who was the starting center like before before DeAndre got here? It was like Dwight, Bogut? Sala, and... <laughs> I guess Bogut was a while ago, but he didn't last. Yeah, Bogut. Uh, who was the in, in that 17-18 season? Nerlens, like Nerlens was here. So they had like for a while they had like three or four different guys and even Dirk was playing some center and like going into the game you knew like this is a Sala game or this is like a Dwight game or a Dirk game play a lot of center because like it's personnel right like you can look at the other team and say yeah I mean they have like a seven foot two guy should probably have Sala in the game or like the based on the mood of the game kind of need someone to go commit a hard foul like let's get solid in they're like Salah's like a spark plug kind of guy this year like Dwight and Willie are essentially being asked to do the same exact thing like they're both like yeah. play hard hustle hard 
you know, roll to the rim kind of guys, you know, try and get rebounds, just like be, get your hands on balls, just kind of like be a disruptive force on defense and then just an engine on offense. So it's not even like they have different roles, similar body type. Willie's maybe a little taller, a little more slim, maybe a little more explosive, but like they're kind of the same thing. So I don't know. I, I, I truly do not know. Um, I think it could just be pushing buttons, like seeing if, if, if does Willie have it? Uh, you know, Atlanta plays at a pretty frenetic pace, and so maybe that was sort of uh, kind of made Rick go with more with Willie. Uh, I'll also say, I mean, Willie was throwing down a bunch of lobs, and so, you know, Atlanta's yeah. maybe their pick-and-roll defense isn't quite up to snuff the way that, uh, you know, other teams may have it. So Rick wants to go with Willie, the more vertical guy, since Dwight is still, you know, kind of dealing with, with the recovery and everything. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I really don't know, but... Against New Orleans, it could be someone totally different. Like, it could be Dwight again, or it could be Willie. I, I have truly have no idea. But that's the sort of thing where, like, when you have a guy like Dwight, who's just a great character guy, and Willie's a smart guy, too. I mean, these guys know what's going on. They're veterans. Like, they've been around for a while. Uh, whenever you're winning, like, you're kind of cool with not playing as much. Like, yeah. Dwight's, like, the biggest cheerleader on the bench on the team now that Nate Hinton's on the G League. Like, all of these guys are really engaged, and it's just so much easier to be that way and to be cool with whatever's happening whenever the team is winning. And that's why all this stuff is just really important. And to, to what you're saying about, like, eight-man rotation and they don't have the depth, they don't have the time to, like, get work these other guys in, I wonder if in, like, a couple weeks they will. And not to say yeah. that they're going to rattle off ten games in a row or whatever, but, like, results right now at this exact moment are super important because of how many losses they've had in a row – Eventually, you'll get back to some sort of stasis. Everyone's going to be confident. You're going to know kind of what you're working with, and then you can start moving pieces around and, and experimenting with adding guys in. But, yeah, I'm, I'm with you for now. Like, playoff rotation, let's get some wins. Let's kind of right the ship, and then we'll we'll keep sort of toying. Because they, they have to figure out exactly what their ceiling, you know, and stuff is too. You know, I was looking at uh, – I was looking up lineup numbers you know, yesterday. Actually, it was earlier today. I was looking up lineup numbers, and it's wild when you think about I know you know this, but you look at the starting unit that Dallas has now since we're post the COVID outbreak for, for Dallas and stuff, and you look at KP and Maxi and Josh, and sorry, my, my golden doodle just ran up to me right here, and, uh, and Luca and um, Dorian as their five starters. And you take those five guys. That's their, that's their new starting unit. They've played 68 minutes together. 68, that's all. By comparison, you look at the, the Knicks starters. The Knicks starters, their five-man unit, has played 379 oh minutes God. together. <laughs> you look at Utah's starting five, who's the best team in the Western Conference. They've played 282 minutes together. Dallas's starting five has played 68 minutes together. Take it a step further and say, all right, who's our two cornerstones of the franchise? KP and Luka. They've played 306 minutes together. You look up in Indiana, Sabonis and Brogdon, they've played 823 minutes together this season. Oh, my God. Eight, 823 minutes compared to KP and Luka at 306. Dude. This is the stuff that we're running that eight-man rotation and getting these guys playing a lot of – like, they have to do this to get these guys up to speed with some of these other combinations and duos in the league. You just have to. 800 minutes is unbelievable. I know. Through what, 25 games or whatever we're at? I mean, that's a that's a lot. Jeez, oh, dude. They've that means they've they've probably played like every single minute together. Yeah. Which I mean, yeah, we know KP and Luka's not going to do that, but you know, they could have had so much more than three and a lot of stuff contributes to that, you know, COVID and, you know, KP missing those, those first 9 games, but we have to get KP and Luca, you know, playing more minutes and, you know, together and all of that. They could both play every single game for the rest of the season, which probably won't. Odds are it won't happen. And they will not play for 800 minutes together <laughs> this year. Like, it is – that is a – that's a crazy stat to me. I mean, the, the five-man unit stuff, I know because I've just been looking at that all year. But, like, dude, those duos – and that matters, man. Because, like, Luca and yeah. KP are kind of your offense, you know. Everything yeah. – goes either through them or around them or involves them and stuff and so it is really important for them to get as many miles as possible with other people just so they especially with someone like josh like dorian 
Jalen, like Luca and Jalen, they know each other like the back of their hand because they played together for three years now. But like Josh hasn't played with Luca or KP before, and so he's kind of figuring it out, you know. And he's been playing a lot better lately. Um, Can yeah, we just I- admit that Brunson's having an incredible year? I know you and Skin talked about. It. We don't have to go down that route too much, but I'm just so happy for this this guy as a human. I'm excited for him as a player, and you just I just go back to that draft night. And I get that that draft will be known as Luca's draft. I 100% get that. But I also remember that draft night of, se- of hearing Michael Finley and hearing Donnie Nelson and hearing those guys at the podium that night hype up this Chicago kid and Jalen Brunson and hype up how excited they were. And Finley was super hyped and was like, this is my guy and all of this stuff. And not Chicago. Did I say Chicago? Maybe. Fi- anyway, yeah, you now said I'm Chicago. Like okay, okay. I mean, that, and, that's uh, where he played his high school ball. Okay, yeah. And – I just, they hyped him up so much and how, you know, we heard the cliche stuff of, oh, we thought he was going to be, you know, a lottery pick. And it's like, everybody tells you at any second round pick, like, hey, we thought he was going to be a first round pick and all this stuff. But man, I am super excited for him because when Brunson is playing at this level and like, honestly, how he's played all season. I mean, I don't know what his shooting percentage is at now. He was at 50, 40, 90. He's and right there just, still. Okay, so he's I mean he's right there right there still he's missed what four games I think during the you know the covid the tracing stuff but I mean right over 20 games you know for the season he should be I just when he's playing like that that just raises I think it raises the floor of the Mavericks and for a team that that secondary creator spot has always been a point of conversation for a lot of people about this Mavericks team. Who can go create a shot outside of Luka? Who can run an offensive set or anything outside of Luka? And when Brunson's in this role and playing like he is, it just changes the whole dynamic of this team offensively. And yeah, he, he doesn't, I mean, he deserves so much praise this season. He's 11th in the 2018 draft class on win shares. Like, Wow. He's like, he's really good, man. He's a really, really good player. And hopefully he's a Maverick forever. But uh, I don't know. If you talk to your average Mavs fan, he's like their trade machine, like bookmark. He's No, get out of here. Yeah. It's like, dude, I promise you, like, Luca will be like the saddest person ever if Jalen ever plays for another team. Because they're like, like, you think Luca and Boban are friends? Like, Luca and Jalen are like brothers for life. Um Anyway, and I, like I also really like Jalen, which matters a lot to everybody <laughs> in the organization. It does. Um, okay, so the other thing, like this whole thing of like what is real and what is not, and kind of like what what's going on, like these questions sort of apply to the offense, which is a lot better, and the defense, which is frankly statistically a lot worse in the last few weeks. Mm. Um, but one of the other things is. I was thinking about this because it, it came up before the Atlanta game, this thing of Tim Hardaway Jr. Since he's gone to the bench, he was averaging – going into Atlanta, he was averaging 18.8 points per game in those five games. And then against Atlanta, I think he only finished with 16, but he had 13 of those in the fourth quarter. It was just amazing. So since moving to the bench, Isaac, he's averaging 18.3 points per game, shooting 47% from the field, 43% from three, 85.7% from the free throw line and like that's really really good so maybe he's just good as a sixth man and then I was like well you know what I'm just gonna look at a larger sample I know we got off to a really slow start but let's just see like when did the turnaround really begin because just like last season his first six seven eight games this year were were not very good at all but then he kind of found a rhythm so going back thanks to the trustybasketballreference.com Going back to the first game that he came off the bench, which was that Houston game, which was game number seven of the season for the Mavs. It's a 19-game stretch, well, 20-game stretch, but Tim missed one of those games. Uh, and in that 19 games, he had an 0-for-12 game against the Raptors, uh, which was the second night of a back-to-back after, uh, as he was dealing with a groin or quad injury or something, where, like, he clearly could barely get off the floor, but they had, like, seven guys who could play, and so he decided to go with it. Anyway, over those 19 games, he's averaging 18 points per game on 46% shooting from the field, 42% shooting from three, and 84.4% shooting from the free throw line. So that's 19 games, and he's played, I think, 25 games this season. So, like, he's not even... Like, he's barely doing better in the last six than he was doing in the previous 13. Like, maybe we just need to accept that, like, Tim is just, like, good. You know, I 
But I don't know because it's one of those that where like he he is a very inconsistent player. Like game to game, sometimes he'll have a two for twelve or a four for fifteen, and then the next game he's like eleven for fourteen with thirty points. And you're like, dude, they would have got smoke. They would have lost by twenty if he wouldn't have showed up tonight. So, like on the whole, we now have basically one and a half ish seasons of Tim being really really good with some stinkers mixed in. And it's just like, dude, like that is probably just what he is. He's going to give you 17, 18 points. He's going to shoot 40% from three. And you're going to have to just live with him just being a really, really above average shooter. Yeah. You know, and I think, you know, last year, I think we'd all agree. Like, man, he had, you know, if not his career year, he had a great year shooting, you know, playing alongside Luca is 40% three point shooter. And then over the first like few weeks of this season, or even let's say the first month of the season, you're like, dang. Like, you're trying to figure out, was that an outlier season last year? Is it kind of streaky and all this stuff? But then you look at the stats, and it's pretty much the same dang stats as last year. And like, all right, well, no, he's actually having a really good shooting season. And you look at, like, just his three-point attempts. I, I was actually looking at these. You brought Tim up, and I was looking at these earlier today. You look at his, you know, as far as a volume shooter, you know, he's attempted 198 three-pointers this season so far. When you compare that to last year, so he's ninth in the league in three-point attempts like total for the, for the entire season so far. Last year, he finished eighth with 513 threes last year in 71 games. So you do the math on that. He's roughly on, on pace for about 50 more three-pointers this season than he did last season. But even when you look at his percentage based on his volume so far this season, and you, you look at guys that's, that's attempted at least 183 pointers this season that's shot the ball at least 39% or higher, you're only looking at eight names. Joe Harris, Terry Rozier, uh, Steph Curry, Zach Levine, Donovan Mitchell, Tim Hardaway Jr., Duncan Robinson, and LeBron. And it's like, all right. LeBron? (laughs) What? I I know. LeBron's on that list. Come on, dude. Leave some for the rest (laughs) of the league. Good Lord. I know, but so like these guys, those eight guys I just listed, they're shooting at least 39%. On they've and they've attempted at least 183 pointers this year. Now Steph, he's attempted 282 threes so oh, far this season, <laughs> uh, which he's, is he's like taking yeah, like the, ten a game, right? Uh, that's what that is. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. Jeez. Um, but still, it's that shows you there's some other guys in there that's attempted over 200 threes, but they're not shooting them at 39. percent That shows you that Tim is one of the best volume three point shooters in the league, and I know that. I think we can get into this. Like we watch the every minute of every Mavs game of every season. And you're like, we see the, the streakiness. Sometimes we see the long mid range two at times. It's, you know, it's like, all right. It, and it seems, you know, in our head, like, dang, there's all these streaky moments. But when you stack his stats up into the rest of the league, he's one of the best volume three point shooters. Like I just said, so he's having a great season. And especially compared to last year, if you thought he had a good, la- good year last year, then, and you don't didn't think, or you don't think he is now, then you need to recalibrate how you're thinking about his year because it's uh he's having a good shooting year. Yeah. Yeah, I mean he's you know and and that could change whatever he goes on has one bad month and all of a sudden he's back down to 35 36% and then you're like okay, well he's just kind of average. But right now, dude, he's above average and he's awesome and without him and they're not winning like some, really any of these games. He's been taking some Devin Harris charges too lately. Dude. I'm glad you mentioned my guy, Devin Harris. He had like two in the first quarter against Minnesota. Devin Harris with a nose ring. Let's go, Devin. Yeah, Rocking dude. the nose ring on the Fox broadcast. He's just hanging out, man. He's just enjoying retirement. I love he it. He is. And I think he was in, uh, there was that article about Darren Williams doing like kickboxing, like UFC training and stuff. Devin Harris yeah. was in that picture. So I think Devin is also doing some UFC, MMA, whatever, Ooh. which is awesome. Uh and I know that it's MMA. It's not U- UFC. Is like the federation or whatever. So I'm just an idiot. But I, you can talk. I don't know much about it. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not kickbox. It's just it's it's MMA. But anyway, whatever. <laughs> it's I don't even know basketball terminology. Uh, <laughs> don't trust my opinion about that. Okay, uh, I'm trying to think. Because before we started rolling, there was like five things that we were going to talk about. Just sort of like. Well, just let let me ask you about the defense. Okay. Okay. Is this where the defense is at right now, is this where you think it will be? Is this like who Dallas is as far as defensively? Or do you think there's some improvements that is coming down the pipeline? Man, I mean, because right now they're bottom five in the league. So they were not bottom five last year. And 
to me, they are better defensively, at least on paper. They have better personnel. Um, so, no, I don't think ago, that this is what they are. How long ago was it, or does it feel, that we were sitting here talking about, Mavs are a top five defense. Dude, and <laughs> it was like a lifetime ago. But they were. They were the number two defense in the league, like, not very long ago. A lot changed. And, again, a lot of that has to do with COVID and everything. But, like, I, I don't know. It's It's kind of an interesting – I don't even want to call it test case because like COVID is a very serious disease, but like it feels like offense is easier to figure out on the fly than defense. Uh, offense is about rhythm, whereas defense is about like communication, anticipation, film, like reaction. Like, I don't know. There's a lot, there's a lot more you have to play in a string. So I wonder if as the, all these guys are sort of be being reincorporated and like Maxi in particular, like having to switch off and guard like six foot two guys, like, I, I think yeah. it might just be – it's a little more demanding for them. So, I wonder if there will just be natural improvement based on that. But at some point, I mean, if they remain a bottom five defense for too much longer, then there has to be some sort of, like, schematic thing that they do to to, to tweak things to, to try and make it better because, I mean, this is not going to cut it. Like, last year they were 18th, and they had the lowest defensive rating of any – team to make the playoffs so like yeah 18th was the worst playoff team you can't be 25th 27th whatever they are um i think some of it is like luck though and i know that makes me sound like an excuse homer idiot but like dude kelly Ray scored 40 points like come on you know like come <laughs> on like there are teams that are shooting like 50 percent on threes against them 45 percent on threes against them for a game i don't care if you're by yourself in a gym if you're playing in an NBA game, open threes, you're not making at a 50% rate for a season. Like, the best ones are shooting, like, 40 42% on open threes. Like, generally speaking, high 30s on open shots is, like, pretty good. Low 40s is great. So, the rate that these teams are making threes will settle down. At the same time, opponents were shooting, like, in the 20s against them at the beginning of the year. And that was obviously not going to sustain itself either. And so, it'll level out. The thing that's a little more concerning to me, I would say, is – when they do break down on the perimeter, there's a lot of stuff going at the rim, and it's just too much for KP to handle. It's too much for anybody yeah. to handle, frankly. Like, straight-line drives are – you can't get beat on a straight-line drive. Like, it, that, that'll just – that'll do you in. And so, you know, that's where it's like, okay, you know, straight – either one-on-one -on -one isolation getting beat off the dribble or coming off a screen or, like, a botched switch or just, like, miscommunication. Like, all of that stuff can be cleaned up, but it has to be – because it doesn't matter if you have Bill Russell at the back. If he's having to guard guys coming at the rim all game, like he's going to get beat a lot, and he's going to get in foul trouble, and he's going to miss the fourth quarter of a game, and some someday you're not going to win that game, and you're going to know why. So it's kind of like, I don't know, some of it has to be simply just like guys getting back into the rhythm. Some of it may be schematic. Some of it is definitely guys making mistakes. Um I think they're trying much harder on defense in the last few yeah. games than they were before. Like, the effort is definitely there. Uh, offensive rebounds, I don't even remember the last time I thought about offensive rebounds being a problem, uh, whereas before they were, you know, especially in those Utah games. So, you know, I think that the effort is there, the motor is there, uh, like the spirit is there, but they're just getting beat a little too often. So they got to clean it up a little bit, and some of it is bad luck too. But I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just, again – Super optimistic, Homer. I have no idea. What do you think? No, I, yeah, it, you verbalized the same thing I was trying to verbalize the other day. Of I was just thinking, I'm like, dang, like I know the numbers don't show this, but it feels like they're playing harder, and there's a more of a, there's more energy, and the effort level is so much higher. Even though they're getting they're getting a ton of points scored on them right now, but compare that to you know that second. I think it was the second Jazz loss. Uh, you compare that to that Golden State game, you're like, all right, there was some stuff, you know, just effort, energy, the whole energy seemed zapped from the whole team in, in that game. And it doesn't feel like that right now. It feels like they're, the effort and everything, the energy is there. I think they just got to figure out, yeah, you know, I think, you know, some schemes on things. I think, like you said, communication, that's, that's so key. And just more guys going back, not to go back to those minute things, but like, Going back to those minutes, 68 minutes together. They got to get more minutes together. And because that means that they're communicating more. They know where each other's going to be on the court. And defense, that's so huge, you know, defensively for all these guys just to play more minutes together and get, you know, get their groove back as a unit together. So I, I do, the thing that worries me 
when they guard in, you know, these pick and roll coverages, when you see guys like Chris Paul, you see Mike Conley running a little bit of Utah. Uh, I know we do do that drop stuff a lot. A lot of teams do the drop stuff, but I, 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 I do wonder if we'll reach a point to where KP Willie, whoever the big is out there, is stepping up a little bit higher and what that you know results in other rotations in that. Uh, it does seem like at times that those guards do get that mid-range shot. The Chris Paul, yeah, I mean, which Chris Paul is Chris Paul, but it, it does feel, and I don't know, I mean, maybe you can speak on this, like what the counter is to that of eliminating, of giving these guys that elbow shot at will almost at times. I don't know if there is, man. Because, I mean, the goal with that is to protect your big man. Like, you know, we saw in the game, I think it might have been the game where Dame scored 61. Like, the Mavs Mm -hmm. were trying to mix it up on Dame. First, they were, like, you know, playing drop, and he was hitting 30-footers. They were like, all right, let's step out a little further on him, and Dame was blowing by KP. Because, like, frankly, six-foot guy who's, like, world-class quick, going to beat every single center in the NBA off the bounce. Like, Yeah, it's not a KP thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, same. it would be the same in Milwaukee with Brooke Lopez. Like, any of these teams that play drop, like the Lakers do it. Like, you just don't want to do that. Um, So, you back way far off. You have to give up something. You know, if you're going to get on their hip and try and, like, force them to not take those pull-up threes, um, then they're going to step into the mid-range and – kind of have to live with it i mean i i i really don't know i i don't i haven't figured it out uh because frankly like guys in the league have not been good enough at that shot to make you second guess now chris yeah. paul always has been but like now dude just like think about it like how many players were doing what steph does like 10 years ago none mm. but now it's like dame trey young like it's not many and you can't okay. even be on their hip like now because once you're on their hip going around the screen, now it's just them stopping yeah. and then just getting the foul yeah, and, and just throw, trying to throw crap up. Yeah, and so... But, like, there's more guys now. And, like, how many players were doing what James Harden was doing, like, 10 years ago? Like, none. It was James Harden. Well, now yeah. it's, there's Luca. Like, there's more guys with more skill and more range and just that are just better than ever before. And so... I'm I'm really curious. I don't th- I don't think this issue is just limited to the Mavs. Like, dude, look at Milwaukee's defensive numbers this year. Like, they're not very good, and they were number one in the league by far last year. Like, NBA offenses and the rules make a very dastardly duo, and they solve a lot of problems very quickly. And so, you know, v- there are very very smart people that cover the league. One of which uh, Seth Partnow or Partnow. I don't know how you say his last name, but he used to work for the Bucks. Um, and his, he had this article come out the other day, uh, where it's basically like, is the drop like going extinct? And the drop just came into fashion like two, three years ago. And it's already like over now because guys are too good and offenses have figured it out. And so the question is, what is the next thing? So Mm. I don't know. I mean, KP has what, four years left on his contract after this one. I wonder if, like, by the time KP's contract expires, like, if they're doing something totally different because they have to, um, you get you got to adapt all the time. So I, I don't yeah. I don't know what the solution is. Like, and I remember this was at the peak of uh, Eddie Johnson calling me a bot on Twitter, uh, <laughs> Suns announcer, and, and one of the all time best six men in NBA history called me a bot because I said something about like points per one hundred possessions or effective field goal percentage or something like very elementary. And he was like, yeah, you're just a bot. I don't talk to bots. Like he, I think he, he said something to me and I was like, beep, boop, sorry. Like, thanks. Uh, but anyway, uh, we were talking about Dame and he like, it was like three days after he called me a bot and he like returned to my life to talk to me about Damian Lillard. And I was like, why are you so obsessed with me? Uh, very Regina George moment. But then also I was like, I really want to know Eddie, like as a former player, like how do you stop Damian Lillard? He can yeah. drive with either hand, finish at the rim with either hand. He can shoot from 40 feet. He's quick. He can pull up from anywhere on the floor and he can pass, find open guys no matter where they are. Like you can't, I, I cannot, I'm not smart enough to like comprehend a defensive game plan to stop guys that are that good. But the problem is there's like 15 of them now. Like, guys are getting too talented. Like, dude, the Mavs were sending two guys at Trey in the backcourt, and he still ended with 21 points and nine assists. Like, you cannot take guys out of games anymore. It's just not possible. So, I don't know. That's my that's my answer. I have no idea how you stop the mid-range pull-up 
without giving up an open layup or an open three every single time because guys are just just that freaking talented. Yeah, it's pick your poison. It's like, hey, what what can you live with? And that's pretty much what everybody's trying to decide on right now. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's why like Onyeko Kongwu went. Well, I guess he was supposed. I mean, he was rated a top three prospect, prospect, but he went like ninth or whatever to Atlanta or sixth. I forget. I don't care. Um, he went very early in the draft because he's like a six foot eight, six foot nine center that's very quick. You know, Bam out of bio. Like maybe is that the new prototype of center? Aren't quite as tall, little quicker that can guard guards. But then I remember a couple years ago thinking six footers are on their way out of the NBA. Like it's all about these new six five, six six, six seven point guards. Like Luca is gonna be one day like the shortest point guard in the league. Well, now you got Trey Young's like five ten, just like dominating. Kyrie's dominating. Dame is dominating. Steph is never gonna get old. So like six footers aren't going anywhere. So I have no idea. The future of the NBA to me has never been as unpredictable as it is now because like there's so many different directions the game could go at both ends of the floor. I just don't know what to think. Yeah, that's so true. And just that, yeah, just to kind of track, if you just go out there and just track the different defenses that worked, um, like you said, what you went through a little bit ago, I was like, who, what, who was doing what Steph and James and these guys were doing, you know, 10 years ago and just how. Yeah, dude, remember yeah. whenever Thibodeau was in Boston, they were icing everything and the Celtics had like <laughs> the best defense ever. And now, like, if you ice stuff all the time, like, teams will laugh at you and score 150 on you. Like that changed quick, dude. Three Very years quick. from now, it's like everybody's doing one three one. You're like, this is the new Maybe. thing. Maybe. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know. I don't. I mean, teams pressed the Mavs last year and it worked. You know, like, yeah. I have no idea, dude. It's like, it's, I don't know. It's really interesting. But that's big picture. In the little picture, in the present, the Mavs do have to figure that out because those, those guys who can pull up off the dribble have really given them problems for many years now. And like, coming up you know new orleans doesn't really have anybody that's going to do that to you but like detroit or not detroit portland does and dame um and then you know you got to play kemba he's on the with the celtics here pretty soon like there are a lot of teams on the horizon that have those guards that can do that um luckily you don't have to play chris paul anymore until the conference finals or whatever so uh you don't have to worry about him but like there's a lot of good guards in the league so it is something that they got to figure out um but i think we'll see i mean in another month, when these guys have played like 150 minutes together, maybe they find out a little. They, they can they can dance a little better together, you know. But we yeah. just we won't know until we get there because with defense, there's not a lot of stuff you could look at and like simpletons like you and me. No offense, can look at and be like, oh, this will get better in this way. It's just not as like it's not as easy to talk about defense as offense because so much depends on all five guys being thinking the same exact thing at the same time. And also the other team has to cooperate with you. And you know, those other guys are pretty good too. I mean, I'm a simpleton, but you're a bot. No, I'm <laughs> extremely, extremely simple, man. I'm, I'm the simplest man. I will say this. Uh, if you're listening to this on Friday, Pelicans coming to town, they have an incredible front court. And uh, I know we have, feels like we haven't been tracking rebounds as much lately, but we went through a phase there where everybody was wanting to track rebounds. This team likes to rebound the basketball. They're, you know, sixth in the league in, in boards, they're third in offensive rebounding, and, you know, we all know about Steven Adams and Zion, those guys. We have Maxi for this game, so that's good. You know, Maxi, you know, was put on Zion last year, and that was kind of our guy we, we put on him, and I think he does well against Zion as, as well as you can. Zion's a monster, but, uh, but still, I, I think it will be – it, it should be a, a fun one with new orleans and if you're uh if you're gonna well i guess almost everyone is gonna watch the game on tvs because it's still i think only like 2500 fans or whatever if you're lucky enough to come to the game that's awesome if you're gonna watch on tv or whether you're watching it at the arena um keep your eyes on zion whenever he doesn't have the ball because new orleans is doing a lot of really cool stuff this year where you know like last year was a lot of like transition stuff and like posting up just like very kind of like simple stuff to sort of get him in the flow because he barely played at all. He missed a bunch of the season, so they just put, put him out there, see what he can do. This year, he's, like, running off screens, catching it on the move, going to the basket. Like, it's really impressive to watch. Like, Steph is going, like, sideline to sideline, half court to baseline and back. Like, St Steph moves a lot. Zion doesn't move as much, but he moves in really, really cool ways. So just, like, watch him whenever he doesn't have the ball and just try and imagine, like, what if you were standing at the rim 
whenever a six foot eight, three hundred pound guy is like coming downhill at you full force, like there's <laughs> nothing you can do. It's it's really really impressive to watch. Which Maverick gets dunked on on Friday night, dude? There's <laughs> but, all of but no, them. Like, that's what he does, man. He's he's amazing. He's really really. He shoots like eighty percent. Like the guy is a yeah. beast. He's, he's, I, know, I started laughing when you said uh, – I thought you said at the beginning, watch him when he's not guarding the ball because uh, when he's – yes, his defense I worry about sometimes. But yeah. Friday night, I'm fine with his defense. He can be really bad at defense on Friday night. That's that's fine with me. But, yeah, offensively, he's uh, un- unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. He's an amazing player, dude. God, there's a lot of young, talented players in the NBA. It's makes me feel old, just so old, <laughs> so old and washed and just cold. Up in here in my apartment, just wishing I had a fireplace. But instead, I, I'm just talking to someone who does. So it's it's almost like I have one. All right, Isaac. Any other uh, – this, this is a long one, man. There's a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, any other things on your mind or uh, you ready to get on out of here and uh, huddle up by the fire? I just want to say Jalen Brunson absolutely torched uh, Trey Young. And oh, man. <laughs> I, that's, that's all I wanted to say. That's, all right. That's my parting, parting shot. So uh, – yeah, good job, JB. I mean, I can't I, – I won't agree with you, but I also will not disagree with you. I'm going to play it very politically right down the middle. There you go. Uh, but you can look can at I the Can I meet box you in Louisville? Huh? Can I meet you in Louisville? Dude, yes. I'm so <laughs> glad Louisville is getting some pub, man. Like, Louisville deserves some love, and now it's famous, and I'm I'm very, very happy. That was like – you know, it's been a long year with COVID and everything. That was like one of the happiest moments <laughs> that I can remember. Whenever I saw that whole thing go down, I was like, I, I'm like levitating right now. <laughs> I was, I was overjoyed <laughs> whenever all that stuff was happening. Uh, it's incredible. That was yeah, seriously like go the t- best day of my life. But that was also, was that, was that the day whenever Ubre scored 40 or was that a different day? No, that was the that was the next game, the okay. next Golden All State right. game. So that was an even better game because of that. <laughs> oh man, that was awesome. All right, thank you, Isaac, for joining me, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, he is Isaac L. Harris. You can find him on Twitter. Well, he's Isaac Harris. You can find him on Twitter at Isaac L. Harris. I guess he's also Isaac L. Harris, but he doesn't go by that. He just goes by Isaac. Uh, you can find him on Locked On Mavs every day. You can find him on Mavs Daily pretty often, and you can find him on Mavs.com. I'm Bobby Corello. You can find me on Twitter at Bobby Corella. Uh, if you haven't yet, go ahead and join the Mavs Discord. Uh, we launched a Discord server uh, earlier this week. Pretty fun stuff. We had our first game thread the other night whenever Dallas played Atlanta. Uh, a lot of ex- existential dread just turning into just like whimsical joy whenever Dallas erased that double-digit deficit. It was fun. Um, you know, fan-driven conversation and everything. I, if you know what Discord is, join it. If you don't, Maybe check it out, but I don't know. See if it's for you. Uh, but I'm posting a lot of photos on there that we don't post anywhere else. And so there's some like some exclusive stuff that you get if you join the server that you can't see. Uh, but otherwise, it's just a fun place to hang out with other Mavs fans and you know really ride the highs and lows of the season in real time. So it's pretty fun. Anyway, that's enough uh, plugging. He's Isaac. I'm Bobby. This is Mavs Daily. Enjoy the game tonight. Happy Valentine's Day. Stay warm. Stay safe. We'll see you next week. <laughs>